slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. Now you're still going to miss out on some things we think are pretty important about being part of a church, like intergenerational community, amazing music, charming children during children's time, cookies and coffee afterwards. And we won't be able to give you any of that through a podcast, but we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not homiletical, harbingers of a new age, perfect preachers, or even theological experts. We're just average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started the podcast, so if you're away from home or working, or if you got snowed in, or maybe you're just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Now, each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on a Sunday, and whatever day it is that you are listening to it, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we don't really care if you agree with everything we say or not. We encourage you to think your own thoughts. Our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So fourth Sunday of Advent. Fourth Sunday of Advent. Love. Ooh, love. So what can't wait for my congregation is love, obviously. Obviously. And um, But we make a connection with courage and love. And I like that, that. The story we, we were talking about on Sunday was the story of Joseph. Okay. And it's, so it's the, the part where Joseph um, is told about the baby coming and and he's going to be um, a good guy and just do this quietly and then do that do what quietly oh, for divorce, the people who don't know divorce Mary quietly uh-huh. basically rather than stone her in the street which right, he was right. well within which his we're going to get to which you're going to get to okay sorry nope I didn't say anything nope nope she didn't say anything no anyway so this is the story where where Joseph is told in a dream. What's happening is is of God, and he wakes up and and goes ahead and finishes the marriage with with Mary, and they go off and have the baby. And by finishes the marriage, that's what we mean because marriage back in the day took yeah. weeks. I'm getting there too. Sorry, <laughs> you have to get on top of everything, right? I just I just want people to know the things. We'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway, the the thing that strikes me about this passage is that Matthew has like a three or four word description of who Joseph is. He doesn't say Joseph is a carpenter. He doesn't say how old Joseph is. He doesn't say anything. All he says is that Joseph is a righteous man. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting thing because I think we hear righteous with a very different ear. We think self-righteous. We think self-righteous. We think uh, obnoxious. Yeah. We think um, snooty, maybe. Yeah. Um, we, we, we don't have good connotations with righteous, right? right? Because it's become sort of like if you're righteous, then you're, you think that you're better than me. It's become the sort of naive thing we make fun of Captain America for. Right. Right. Yeah. And but here here's an instance where where what we mean by being righteous is that being in right relationship with others, not right or just in like the judicial sense. Right. Because it could happen outside, you know. Yeah. Being in right relationship sometimes means it doesn't follow the rules. Exactly. Basically. The the connection, you know, to be a righteous man, to, as as Matthew is describing Joseph, takes courage, um, especially when that call to righteousness comes at the cost of challenging the status quo. Yes. And and that is exactly where Joseph is. Right. Right. He, he has courage because Deuteronomy is really clear about what Joseph has the right to expect mm-hmm. from his wife. Yes. And like virginity. Has the right to expect that she's not pregnant. Yeah. Right, at the very right. least. 
and that he can return her to her family and they that becomes a big public thing about whether she, you know she's proof, an unworthy human, human being. being right and then it, that can you know joseph has the power to set in motion mary's death yeah so so this first like this sort of first wave of righteousness is this notion that he's just going to do it quietly which i think is really interesting because it's not like it remains quiet like we we look at it as oh isn't he a great guy yeah but oh, i good. think he's not going to kill her right that's but the I, bar but that's the bar right and we also like we don't we're not thinking about the reality of maybe he's just postponing it that when he just he's going to dissolve their betrothal quietly right uh-huh. and what's fascinating is the use of language in this passage reminds us as you said earlier chris yeah that betrothal and wedding are a little more mixed up yeah <laughs> than what we we experience right yes uh, to break an engagement is a big deal but it's not as big deal as breaking up a marriage right yes and in Mary and Joseph's time, when she were betrothed, you, you still had to get a divorce. Right. You, it was as if you were. It was as if you were what we understand marriage to be. Yeah. Um, but there was sort of a waiting period mm-hmm. between betrothal and actual marriage, you know, to make sure people weren't pregnant, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Or something. Something, right. So, so here's Joseph. You know, he is making a righteous decision, a decision that goes against the status quo. It goes against what he has been told all his life he is due. And then he has a dream that says, you're going to go even further. Yeah. You're going to be so righteous that this doesn't matter. Yeah. Goodbye entitlement. Goodbye entitlement. And he chooses to trust. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Like he has the courage to trust, to trust his dream, the angel, even Mary. Right. Because he's been told, we we, we assume Mary told him what she knew. And then immediately hightailed it to Elizabeth's house. Right. Right. And so in in this moment, he acts counter to to social and gender norms, and and he makes a courageous act that that brings love, right? Mm -hmm. And it is with this courage that love is born again. Right. Well, there's space for love to grow. Right. So Joseph is this righteous man in the fullest sense of the word, one who understands that righteousness is to be in that right relationship with others, with God, and with self. And I really want us to think about you know, how that, right? It's a, it's a courageous countercultural love. Because I think sometimes when we say love on this Sunday, we get so tied up in, uh, we get tied up in romantic love, but we also get tied up in familial love. Yes. And we get tied up in, um, I don't know what the, I don't know if we have a word for it. Like but a sentimentality. A sentimentality. Yeah. And, and, and also we get like, like the, the love of, um, it's not just sentimentality, but like the love of the status quo is a better I think, yeah, it's almost a nostalgia. Right, but it's, it's nostalgia It's a nostalgia plus. for the now. Right, yeah. right, or how things work. Right? I want things to be exactly this way. And, and what Joseph is doing is choosing to follow the way of justice and love, even if it doesn't fit his religious understanding of love, his familial understanding of love, or even the nostalgic experience right, his of his cultural love. understanding yeah. of love, all of that. Yeah. One of the quotes I came across was a Brene Brown, and and it and it's from a an article in Behavioral Health, but it says the root of the word courage is core, which is heart, which is heart, and it's one of the earliest in one of the earliest forms of the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Okay, courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. Ooh, speak your truth. Speak your truth, right? And, and it, you know, it's changed, right, to mean, like, heroism. Yeah. 
But the reality is, is that we really need this. We need that kind of, we, we need heroes. Sure. But we also need courage. Yes. That, of the, in that old sense of being able to speak who we are and our truth mm-hmm. in ways that we can hear other people's as well. Yeah. That sounds so much like Nevada's for the common good to me. Yeah. I don't yeah. mean to like use your sermon as a plug for that, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that agenda, but Nevada's for the common good is this group of community organizers that get people to sit down and just talk honestly about what is their yeah. reality. Like what do you struggle with? Yeah. And in sharing those stories, we realize we have a lot in common and that there's things that we can do together to make right. it a little bit better. But it, but if you don't start with that vulnerability. Right. And the vulnerability then, is really significant there. I mean. Then you always feel, I think, a little bit resentful that you're working on other people's issues. Because mm-hmm. you don't realize this is actually my issue too. Right. Or that they're connected. Yeah. 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 Or you don't have the relationship. And so it's charity instead of justice. Right. And I think I think that's actually a key in community organizing in general. Yeah. Right. It's not just Nevadans for the common good. It's, it's relationship building. It's relationship building and what comes out of those relationships. And so, you know, the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that courage? And we do that courage by, by like you say, actually having re- conversations and relationships with people that maybe are different from us. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect one. So this is the season that we tell these kinds of stories. And why is it that it, we can only do it now? Mm. Right? Like, why why is this a... A thing that we wait till this time of year to do. We should be telling these stories over and over again. We should be telling the stories of little kids who were inspired to to do things like have a hot dog, have a have a hot have dog, a, have a no, have a hot I chocolate. Have the courage to have a hot dog all the time. No, no, I meant to have a hot cocoa stand and raise money to pay for their friends' school lunch bills. Yeah, right, and then dream like I could do this for the whole district. Or this is the only, this is the time of the year where we at least tell the stories and maybe this is only the time of year that we do this where, where people pay other people's energy bills or layaway bills. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know. I was thinking about the, the way that this church and the United Methodist Church in Claremont is telling the story of oh, yeah. Jesus yeah. and Mary and Joseph mm-hmm. by uh, putting out a nativity at the church where everybody's Jesus, separated everybody is separated and in cages mm-hmm. um like what families at the border are going through you know if we right. believe that jesus and mary and joseph had to flee for refuge we're refugees right um how would they be received in our country right and so to put that really startling and stark image of what mm-hmm. the united states immigration policy is towards people and how dehumanizing it can be in line with this Family that oh, yeah. is so close to our hearts this time of year, you know, yeah. and, and how much controversy that has caused, but right. maybe has actually caused also a little bit of awareness. Right. Well, and, and why is it that we only tell these, like, like why is it that we, we get very sentimental in the newspaper and on the news at this time of year? Why, why aren't we telling people's truths, yeah. good and bad? Year round. Why aren't we, why aren't we listening to right. those truths? It's not like people only do good things at Christmas. Right. I think we have this sense that that is how it works, right? Yeah. We not we're not aware, we're not paying attention, we're not valuing the the courage it takes to love in the face of all of this, yeah, and to love our neighbors fully. And the other piece of this that I touch on that I want to touch on is the idea that that love and hate are opposites. Ooh, no, but love is it's not even love and fear are opposites, right? But that fear is what keeps us oftentimes from from doing from love. the doing the love and. Um, and that fear has no place, yeah. right? What what are the what's the message again and again when God shows up? Do not, do not be, be afraid. afraid. And so that's the other thing is is that in this season we can't wait we can't we can't wait till the fear is gone, right? We need to love anyway, right? 
We need to, to love with, with courage. Uh, we have to show courage in the way that we love and do that well. So anyway, so that was my sermon. Yeah, good one. Yep. Thanks, Susan. And thanks to you for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on Facebook or at our website, sundaymorningsleepin.com, where you'll find an archive of all of the episodes we've ever posted. You can email us at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. The scripture for this podcast, Susan will tell you about, and the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So the scripture for this sermon was Matthew 1, 18 to 25. At the end of every podcast and the end of every worship, we, we try and send the congregation out with, with some words, more words to think about, because uh, that's what we're about, right? How do, we, how do we go out and do and love and be in this world? And so I send you out with the words that it can't wait. So go do it. Amen. Amen.